Hello and welcome to a brand new season and a brand new episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. My name is Tom Down. I'm joined, as always, by my best friend, Andre Grayson. Hello, Mr. Dow. Hello, Mr. Grayson. And this is episode number 50, which seems very appropriate considering it is the, uh, the first episode of the new season. So it's a landmark episode number. Landmark occasion. Landmark occasion. It feels like a long time since we did the last one, which I think we called... 49 undefeated um so maybe this is an omen that we're actually gonna go 50 games unbeaten now well based on what we saw on friday night i think it's very likely that we're gonna win it all and we're gonna go unbeaten for uh 50 games and basically everything's gonna be brilliant from here on in yeah it's just a question of whether we win the league before the world cup or just after it at this at this point tom i'm gonna be optimistic and say before (laughs) (laughs) Is it even possible? Is it even possible? <laughs> no, <laughs> that won't stop us. We're gonna we're gonna win everything. We're gonna we're gonna win it all. But um, yeah. Needless to say, that's obviously going to be our starting point um for this podcast because obviously Friday night saw the return of Premier League action, which it's felt a very long time since we were last at at, at football again even though it was only at the tail end of last season. And it's also felt a long time since I've seen you, which was at the same point. So although we only caught up briefly on Friday night, it was um, it was very nice to see you as ever. And I'm looking forward to seeing you lots and lots over the coming weeks. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Same to you. I mean, I have to say Crystal Palace um, and Selhurst Park. So, so I took um, my dad uh, came came along and your your brother came along and we all said Mark there as well um but Sowers Park is just an utterly bizarre place and you were literally in someone's garden while you wait to enter the away end is the only way I can describe it it is utterly bizarre you go down this unbelievably steep hill amongst a row of houses and there you are you're suddenly in the ground it's probably I think the worst experience um as an away supporter in the league no, I'm going to jump in and say West Ham is worse. I hate West Ham away. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you can see. Very, very, very good point. Very oh, good point. Oh, actually, it's two very different spectrums of what you can and can't see at West Ham. At West Ham, you have to really have your binoculars if you're up a yeah. tier. Um, I know, it's a, it's a good debate for another day. But uh, I like the old school feel of Palace. But yeah, it was brilliant to see you. Brilliant to get the first away of the season and, of course, um, even better to win it. Yeah, I think um, just just touching on uh, Selhurst Park as a, as a venue, as a, as a ground, I, I genuinely really like the ground. Like, I like those traditional four-sided grounds and that that still has that very sort of retro charm to it. But the away experience is not good. It's really not good because obviously unless you're in like the front ten rows, you get a pretty a pretty ropey view of the uh of the football. Um and the concourse is just absurd in terms of how how tucked in you are when everyone's in. I mean, because I was waiting to collect a ticket um on Friday I ended up going to the ground to probably about half seven in the end, and it was just so much effort getting to my seat. And usually, mm. I'm I'm in, I'm in a lot earlier than that. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was an ordeal to get there. But once we got in there, um, you obviously sat with your dad. I sat with my brother, um, and it was just a really fantastic experience. I mean, I I I left the game just 
buoyed about the season. I was already excited about the campaign going into Palace. Um, and then coming out of the game after was just... It's, it's, it's felt so long since we've we've opened the campaign with um, a win. And obviously a win away from home and a clean sheet, two goals. There's not really much more you can ask for, is there? No, no, there isn't. And I think it's worth going to the, the start of the game. I mean, we, the starting eleven was what we all expected. If you've followed any of pre-season, you'd know that's what we were going to do. New Tommy Asu was out. Tierney only fit enough at the bench. They were the only two, really, that could have played. Um, I thought the way we started that first 20, 25 minutes was unbelievable. And we haven't seen football like that in absolutely ages. I think that's what got me. I mean, Gabriel Jesus was like a man possessed. That run where he beats a couple of players um, and his shot's going in and it's blocked and Martinelli probably should score. But we just haven't seen a start like that for a long, long time with that much threat, winning the ball that high up the pitch. And it's just so exciting. And you really can see how we've developed the squad this summer. And that is what is so exciting. It was there for all to see. Um, I've got a couple of concerns, I won't lie, that came out the game, but a brilliant set piece. Um, we have become set piece masters out of, not out of nowhere, but Nicholas Yova, I believe his name is, is an absolute wizard. Absolute wizard. Um, and a huge shout out goes to the man at the back post. You know, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. How long have I got through? Five minutes. Zinchenko! Oh, always believe in your soul! What a chant that is, Tom. What a <laughs> chant that is. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, You've so good. You've got the power to know you're indestructible. <laughs> Always believe it. Zinchenko. Zinchenko. Oh. oh. <laughs> there you go. Burst everyone's eardrums. Um, but, uh, you know, what was amazing, and I was trying to articulate this in any way I can, you cannot explain what it's like following Arsenal away from pre-lockdown. It's like two different clubs because that was going off for about five minutes before we scored. It wasn't even like he did that header and got the assist. We were doing that and the bloke had done quite literally nothing in the first 15 minutes. He's got his own chant. And it reminded me a lot of West Brom with Aaron Ramsdale last season where you just go, everyone is so up for this. So positive. Goal goes in, he gets an assist. And that went on for about five, ten minutes afterwards. And I got home, watched the goal back, and all you can hear are our fans. It's just such a great place to be right now. Yeah, it really is. And um, just commenting on the atmosphere, the first, I would say, the first half an hour of the game was just consistent, solid chanting after chant after chant after chant. And it was exhausting. After half an hour, I was absolutely shattered. And I was thinking, I don't know how I'm going to keep this up for the rest of the game. Um, and I think naturally there was a bit of a lull in the middle where I think everyone kind of was at the same point. <laughs> and then obviously towards the end of the second half, when when we got the second goal as well, obviously there was a bit before that where everyone was trying to get the team over the line. And then when the second one went in, the atmosphere was electric again. And obviously... Mm -hmm. A personal highlight. I, I, I my, probably my favourite chant of all time is the Vieira chant, and that coming out when we were two 0 up was was majestic. And I've seen that on TV since since as well, and it's just uh, very very loud. And the, the atmosphere yeah. was just fantastic, and I, I I loved it. I loved every second of it. 
So you know how superstitious I am and how much I can't like leave the ground. After half an hour, I had to go and excuse myself to buy three bottles of water to recover <laughs> from the first half an hour. I couldn't, I was in ag, my throat was killing me because it had been relentless, utterly relentless. And the team had been as well. And it did feel yeah. like, it did feel like a new era. Um, and then I think I felt Tom that we really went into Arsenal of last season mode. And I think we've actually been lauded more than I am ready to praise the team. Because I felt all the things we did last season, your Wolves, your Villas, all the 1-0 wins we collected away from home, um, or at home as well, I really felt we, we went straight back into that sort of mode where we're terrified of possession, where we can't keep the ball, where... It's, things could still happen for us, and we're defending really well. I wasn't worried about us conceding, but it, it doesn't. It, we still have this ability to stop playing football. And yeah. when you look at the all or nothing um, uh, documentary, you know Arteta is is saying why, but there's still something in these players that can't quite put it together at all. Um, I just wonder what your thoughts were because I was very stressed, and although they didn't have chances you felt an equaliser would have been a very fair um, outcome on, on the balance of play from about 30 to 85, really, till we got the, the second. Yeah, I think I'm probably in agreement with you because I think a lot of what we saw, as you said, the first 20, 30 minutes were were fantastic and we, we were relentless. We weren't letting them out. And then we sort of reverted back to that, that, that deep block that we tend to uh, always always do last season I should say and mm. it was very worrying um, to see that but at the same time um, it was encouraging to see how solid we were defensively obviously like in terms of the chances they created the only ones that really spring to mind was the header from Edouard just before half time and obviously the the Eze one-on-one with with Ramsdale which obviously he's done, he did really well to save um, but in general I thought we, we did defend very well but I think the 2-0 kind of put a bit of a gloss on it that maybe we didn't deserve, if that makes sense. Um, mm. And I think 2-0 away from home looks like a routine victory. Like, you look at Man City going to West Ham yesterday, very, very different performance to what we put in at Crystal Palace, <laughs> but ultimately the same result. Um, so, I, I, there are things that concern me, but I'd like to think as the season goes on, we'll learn how to sort of dictate games in a bit more of a consistent manner. And I think we'll link this on the, a little bit later as well. And I, I, I think there's there's something I'm sort of looking at in terms of the transfer window that I think might might help with that as well. Um, mm. But I'm sure we'll come onto the transfer window in, in a little while. But yeah, yeah I think I think there's, there, there are obviously things to take away from the game that were, were positive, but there are still causes for concern that, make your heart back to sort of the end of last season as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a couple of things I, I found really interesting about the game. I think, um, you know, g going forward, first 25, you can praise the attacking unit. Odegaard a bit quiet, but really not his kind of game. So I don't really have too much to say about that. Uh, I thought the performance of, firstly, Ben White at right back was very effective against Zaha. Cedric Suarez could not have done what Ben White did. And I, I thought Ben White came in for a bit of stick 
apparently. I was really surprised. I thought he did a fantastic job. He got turned once and took the booking, and I love that. Um, I was really impressed with Ben White at right back, and you could see how it could work. He literally won't have many, like, there's like two or three games where he will face a more difficult winger than Zaha. Um, but he was aided massively by the 21-year-old next to him who looks like an absolute Rolls-Royce of a centre-half. It's not the size, it's not the physicality, it's the composure on that ball. There was a moment in the first half where I think um, I, I, the ball sort of broke loose and it was a bit tetchy and anyone would have been screaming to clear it. And he just takes a touch, knocks it away from the attacker and pings it up the wing with his left foot. And I was thinking, 21 years old, looking like that, built like that, as quick as he is, fuck me what a player William Saliba looks. I have not seen a centre-half look that imposing since like Tony Adams or Sol Campbell. It, he looks like that, and it's very early days, and I, I will probably live to regret that statement, but I have not <laughs> seen a centre-half look like that in a long time. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I came out of the ground. I probably said to my brother on six or seven different occasions throughout the game, I, I love Saliba, I love him. Like, it's just, there was just so many calm bits of composure, like you said. But also, he like when he did go to ground, he won the ball every time. And he just, yeah. you didn't think that he was going to put in a challenge. Like, there was one in the penalty box that he that he went to ground to to obviously win the ball. And at no point did you think he was going to give away a penalty. He just looked totally in control of the situation. Um, and I think, like you said, that's probably why Ben White did look as as comfortable against Zaha as he did. But there's a, there's one other thing going back to Ben White that I did notice as well. Is that like you, I, th I thought, I, I couldn't believe there's people criticising him. And, I, and my opinion of that is that if you watched that game and thought Ben White struggled, uh, I don't I don't think football's for you. Because I think he <laughs> coped really well with probably one of the most threatening players in the, in, in the league from that position. And mm. I think what we did really well, and, I, and this is what I think maybe inhibited our performance in an attacking sense to an extent, is that I thought, particularly in the first half, Saka played very, very deep. And you saw lots of Martinelli and Gabriel Jesus and Odegaard chasing around, trying to press from the front. And we weren't really pressing from that right-hand side so much because Saka, I, 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 I tend to think Saka was probably given the remit of your first priority is to make sure we keep Zaha quiet because Arteta was probably confident we'd get goals from elsewhere. But I think Saka did a really good job defensively of doubling up on Zaha. And then on the few occasions that that didn't work, there was Saliba to sweep everything up. And I think that was a really interesting tactical um, shift from Arteta and it showed an understanding of the opposition that we were playing. For sure, for sure. I, t I totally agree. And I think Arteta does that so well. And I agree, Saka, a little bit sacrificial, um, but gets gets an assist for an own goal as well. So I don't think he'll mind. He's, his numbers uh, are off, I guess. I don't know if they count those as assists. I, I will for him. I, um, <laughs> what are you going to say? Oh, no, I was just going to I was just going to say like the, the only thing frustrating me about Saka's performance is that he seemed particularly up until his, uh, the, the second goal. He was really 
almost reluctant to take on the um it was Tyreek Mitchell at fullback wasn't it um yeah and the one time that he did do it it obviously led to a second goal and it's just like it was a bit frustrating because then you sort of like well oh, just you just want him to sometimes just be a little bit more forceful with that but I think obviously that's the sort of thing like as form sort of goes into the season um confidence sort of builds again and then I, I think we'll see that more and more but um yeah I think it was uh like like we said just prior I, th- I think it was a bit of a sacrificial performance just to keep their main man quiet yeah absolutely absolutely and um I thought uh Enketia came on and looked unbelievable I really have high hopes for Eddie. He does not look, and physically, it's really hard to tell where this comes across on the TV. I remember the last game where I went, oh, he looks different, was West Ham away, where he looked so fast. He looks like he's got physical, he looks like he's developed physically again. And some players are like that. And that's why I'm so glad we've held on to him, because I think Eddie looks, looks like he's learning from Jesus as well. The way he came on, and charged after the ball and imposed himself. I go back to a game where you and I defended him, Wolves away last season, where we had 10 men. But he's a different animal now. He looks different. You you can feel it and see it and sense it. And I'm quite excited to see what, what he's going to come up with too. Yeah, I think I think we've got two really exciting forwards um, that... Obviously, I think what we're going to get from Gabriel Jesus is that he primarily is going to give you what he gave you Friday night. And I think he puts such a shift in throughout a game. I think it's going to be quite frequent that for the last 20, 15 minutes of a game, we're going to see Eddie Nketiah come on. And that's what you want from him. You want him to come on, look like he belongs there, which he did and contribute in a meaningful way, which he did in, in terms of getting the ball out to Saka for the uh, for the second goal. So, yeah, I'm really excited about him. Um, as Same with you, I was really enthusiastic that we were able to keep him. Um, I couldn't believe the amount of bollocks that was going around about him taking the number 14 shirt and about how that was um, an, an awful, awful thing. I, I mean, I, you know as, as well as I do how much I love squad numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't bother me in the slightest that he was taking the number 14 shirt. Um, and for some players, and I think Eddie Nketiah probably is one of those types of players, that's probably, one, a really big deal for him, and two, might be something to really push him on further and show that Arteta and the club have that confidence in him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I've got a, I've got a standing desk, Tom, and I felt the need to stand up. So it's very exciting times for the listener, knowing I am now standing up because I am that enthused about Eddie and Ketia. And <laughs> I totally agree. And, and uh, one of the things I was wondering and wanted to ask you about was look, looking at the next few games, because it's very hard, you know, one game, looking at the results across everyone else, I think we can be really pleased with our start. Um but one of the things I wondered is Le- Leicester looks a tough game to me and everyone seems to think it's three points in the bag. But I wonder, you know, do you think if people stay fit, are we going to make any changes in the first four or five games before the Europa League kicks in? You know, what, what do you, how do you think we're going to, uh, going to try and approach it? I'd be really surprised if we made that many changes. Um, I think if everyone is fit, then primarily I think Arteta would like to keep 
a pretty consistent 11. Um, the only thing that remains to be seen about that is obviously Tommy Assey played uh, for the under-21s yeah, against Manchester United on, um, on, on Saturday for 45 minutes. So he's obviously fit enough to start playing again. So you would expect to see him back in the fold, I'd expect, sooner rather than later. Um, if not Leicester, then certainly for, for Bournemouth after that. But I think that's a, that's a question mark about what happens at right back with Ben White. Because if Saliba plays the way he's playing, you can't, surely you can't not play him. If he if he plays like that against Leicester, you surely then can't go for Bournemouth, right? You're out because he just like you said, Rolls Royce is just the, the perfect way of describing him. Um, so I'd say about that, and obviously Tierney coming in, I think there's going to be games where Tierney is more suited than Zinchenko because I think Tierney is a better defender than Zinchenko, whereas uh, but Zinchenko gives you that option of pushing into midfield, allowing Xhaka to push on a bit further. Um, and, and pushing us further forward on that left-hand side. So I think there's it'll be interesting to see what he does with that. But primarily, I would I would expect to see a very similar eleven for the first three or four games. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, it, it's going to be really hard to change anything, especially while we try and bed in a full-blown way of playing. I mean, one of the things that's on my mind that's sort of stressing me out, if I'm honest, that I've been thinking about since we beat Palace, is we've got Leicester at home which we we should we should win. We've got Bournemouth away, Fulham at home and Villa at home. We, we should win all of those. Then we've got Man U away. And based on the start, we should win that. Then it's Everton at home. We should probably win that. Then Brentford away. And we should probably win that. And the reason this is stressing me out is because that's not going to happen. No. I, I mean, <laughs> if it, you know, and I'm trying to see like, oh, which... Which game, if you're going to pick, are you going to drop points in? Because you just don't start a season like that. You just you just don't. And we're not that good. And I'm sort of, you know, it's really interesting because until... And then October is is absolutely horrific. And I don't know if you've looked at this, but we've got Europa League games in between every league fixture. And the only week we don't have Europa League, we've got City at home on the Thursday. So we have got an absolutely horrendous October. You know, where it goes Spurs at home, Europa League game, Liverpool at home, Europa League game, Leeds away, um, then City at home, Southampton away, Europa League game, (laughs) Forest at home. I mean, it's absolutely bonkers that I think Mikel Arteta's got to be looking at the first seven games and anything less than 18 points is poor. Yeah, if we want to come top four. So really, you know, I wonder what our aspirations are. I don't know. Um, I think I think the minimum, based on uh, Edu's interview that he did um, a couple of weeks ago, I think the minimum that we would expect is, champ- is Champions League football from next season. Because obviously he was very vocal in the fact that he said that if we got Champions League last year, we would have been a year ahead of schedule. Well, that kind that obviously automatically suggests that Champions League football is the is the goal this year. Um, mm. So. I think that's got to be the minimum expectation, but I, I I think there's a genuine belief within the club that we could we could do better and forth. Um, I'm not saying a title challenge or anything like that. I'm not I'm not going to be that fan that goes, "Oh, we beat Crystal Palace away. We're going to win. We're winning it all." Um, but I do think there's a there's a feeling within the club that I, I I think we might be able to sort of 
challenge for at least like third place as well as, well as fourth. So I, I don't I don't know. I think Champions League football and, and potentially a cup run is what what we're expecting. Um, mm. I don't know. I don't know because if I, if I offered you if I offered you fourth now and Europa League knocked out in the quarterfinals in disappointing fashion, knocked out in the cups early on, you know, are you taking it? Yeah. Yeah, because I just need to, <laughs> we need to be I, some. I, I was about to say reluctantly, but like I answered that so quickly, I don't think I can get away with that statement. Um, <laughs> but I, I think yes, I would take it because as much as I would like us to aspire to for a little bit more than that, I just don't. I, the, the priority has to be to get in the Champions League. It has to be, and if we, if you could guarantee me that now that we'd finish fourth, um, yeah, I'm taking it. Because I think it's I think it's that important to the progression of this side, um, mm. but yeah, it's 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 a tricky one. But like again, going back to the fixture list and that first run of fixtures, I think it's so important that we pick up a bit of momentum. And you can almost guarantee that probably one of the games that we'll, it'll probably be Bournemouth away or something like that that we that we fuck up in, um, and. It's it's one that you, in that run of seven games you, you you can't afford to be making many mistakes if you've got realistic aspirations of of making the top four. And that, but that is that's the only part I'm sort of going. I'm hearing you, and I'm going yes, I 100% agree. But then look at last season, Tom. Every time we thought we were out, they pulled us back in, um, <laughs> and it does it does feel a bit like that, you know. I, I, you know, I can trust. I, I can imagine us losing to Bournemouth, but beating City this year or something ridiculous yeah. like that. So, you know, when I look at the run until the World Cup, and and God knows how that's going to affect things. You know, I am really excited about what we could do. And for the first time in a long time, all we can say is that we're very hopeful. I think we're daring to believe, but it's terrifying. I'm finding it really hard to let go and be belligerent in saying top four. If we don't get top four, it's it's a bit of a disappointment I, and we should get top four. Because, you know, ultimately Chelsea have spent a lot of money and I know they've lost players. And Man U, yes, I know right now they're a mess. But, you know, to think we're just going to finish above them so easily, it's not, it's not quite true. It's not going to happen. No, it's not It's not going to be a canter is what I mean. But yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely right. And that's what I suppose is sort of... A, 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 is trying to keep ourselves in check all the time. Um, I do think as well, I'm quite happy that all the noise is about the club across North London who have signed a 33-year-old wing-back, um, a, a, a good midfielder from Brighton, let's not beat around the bush, a championship fullback, um, one of the biggest pricks in the league, which is perfect for them in Richarlison. And everyone's talking about them as title contenders. Fantastic. Let them try and live up to that, is what I say. Let them try. I'm delighted that people aren't saying it about us. They're saying it about them, and I'm just not having it at all. I'm not having it at all. The number of games they had last season where they didn't get a shot on target, um, I, yeah. I, I'm not that worried about. Uh, people have seemed so worried about them. You know the October I said to you, they've got the same October, but with Champions League games. You know, I, I really am baffled. City are winning the league and probably they're going to do it at a canter, I think. Liverpool probably a comfortable second and then the rest is going to be a shootout. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. Um, just going back to those those wankers down the road. Um, I uh, watched the highlights of their game against Southampton, and at times it felt like Southampton were just letting Tottenham score. Honestly, I mean, it- I did, like the own goal is one of the most ridiculous own goals you'll you'll see. Because it, the body position, or I can't even remember who, sc- who scored the own goal. Salisu, uh, I haven't figured. He's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, you wait. You I wait don't... till Southampton away. You wait till he has a ten out of ten barnstormer. You wait till I say. You hear what I say about him from the stands. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> but honestly, the most ridiculous own goal you'll see. Like a professional footballer, um, and. Yeah, it was it's, it's baffling. So I think that's a, that's that's a game that you look at and you think Southampton couldn't have made it any easier if they tried with the, without going one nil up. But the the, the goals were, were a joke, absolute joke. Um, anyway, enough about them. Whilst we're on opposition teams, actually, Chelsea are doing my fucking head in at the moment purely because no one says anything. They keep everyone keeps going in the media. Oh, it's a rebuilding project. They spent a hundred million on Lukaku last season, and then have let him go back on loan for eight million or something. Like, what? I know you want to say it's a rebuilding project. Why is no one saying what an utterly ridiculous club they are in terms of doing certain things? Some of their transfer business is horrific, and I know that people only only don't say things because they they win things and it seems to work for them. But if any other club did it the way that Chelsea have done it, they'd be ripped to shreds. No one said anything about Lukaku, and more people were questioning Eddie and Ketty again the number fourteen shirt than <laughs> Lukaku, and it's just mad. Honestly, I'm, 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 I'm oh. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, um, you know, I hear what you're saying. I feel like you see Arsenal discourse because I feel like I've seen a, more criticism of Chelsea than I ever have before. So I, yeah. I, I'm feeling quite content, you know, because. Because look, Mark Cucurella, which which is a, a by the way, cracking name. A Cucurella, a cucu- it's a it's a great shame he's gone to Chelsea because that song is done. Um, but uh, you know, fifty fifty five million on a backup fullback is is incredible in light of what they've spent recently. Yeah. But the only thing I've got, Tom, is we are spending and we are. You know, if Arsenal had a car that was worth a hundred thousand pounds, they'd sell it for a tenner. Yeah, that's the only way I can I can put Arsenal's sales at the moment. So I'm in a bit yeah. of a, you know, Chelsea are like us on steroids. I mean, it is amazing, isn't it? Like Timo Werner's left. I mean, how has that happened? Oh, he was fifty, ridiculous. sixty million, and he's gone back to the. Cl- I, 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 look, I, I think, I think their their dominance of English football. Um, is is beginning, and I don't think it's nearly over yet. But it's beginning to to return. You you know they had they cheated from two thousand and four to to two thousand and twenty one, and then finally they're getting their comeuppance. But they have got another billionaire. But they'll just normalise with the rest of us. You know they yeah. just won't have that edge that they've had with um, superior finances. You know, I do really think that Liverpool are a couple of years away from being brought into the cluster as well. I think they've got an aura about them. And even if Klopp stays, I just think the Salah, Mane, 
Firmino, that that attacking triumvirate, which which has been diminished now anyway. You know, they are once in a lifetime type front, you know, front units. Like Bergkamp and Henri, we're never going to see anything close. No. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, so so anyway, so yeah, I, I see your anger. I see your anger, but I, I don't share I just, it. I, I just hate them as a club. I know you do. Yes, as well. no, that um, I do. Yeah, no, just, I agreed. I, I, every every time they do something, but it's just, I, it, it's that statement of it, it being tarnished as a rebuilding project, and it's just like, no, it's not. Like honestly, it might it might be, but like it's it's a rebuilding project because of immense failings. Um, yes. Not, not because of anything. And obviously, like, go, bring it full circle back to Arsenal. Obviously, we're seeing our sales are nothing short of a joke. Um, but I think you kind of have to look at it as the previous regime and that work being undone. Um, and I think we're, we are recruiting now in a way that very much sort of looks towards the future in terms of sales and things like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that this cycle is not going to happen again. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, in terms of the rest of the uh, rest of the transfer window, obviously we've still got till the end. It's the end of August, isn't it? This this year, I know it always changes and stuff. But um, um yeah, I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Yeah. So obviously, I think, and I think it's it's with with Arsenal transfer business. You're seeing a lot of rumours um, about certain positions more than more than individuals. And I think it's sort of the widely expected that we might return for a central midfielder and another and another wide player. Um, what are your thoughts on on the remainder of the transfer window? Yeah, so we've got until September first, eleven PM. Um I I believe we have great intentions to sign Leicester's central midfielder and I think we also want to add a wide forward but unless we shift what we need to shift I think we'll only get the central midfielder yeah. I really think I think Tielemans I'm a bit confused and I'm surprised we haven't hit go um, and without going into anything that you can't go into but there's a small chance in central midfield we're going to be a couple of senior players short. And look, Granit Xhaka is is a is a walking red card at times, and you do still feel with this team, you know, if Xhaka or Party was out, which has happened on numerous occasions for any prolonged amount of time, we do lack a lot of seniority there. There is no one in the squad really that does either of what Party or Xhaka does. Yeah. So that's what I suppose concerns me is that if you get in Yuri Tielemans, which is the only one I've really seen us linked with, and you can you can always correct me, you know, you've got to do it if there's a deal no. to be done. Because no. I think if you add Tielemans and a wide forward, I think we're going, this is a serious, serious squad. Yeah. I uh I do I do tend to agree. And uh, Tielemans we've spoken about um the last time we did a podcast and said that that's a signing which both of us would be very, very on board with. And the, the, what I was speaking about earlier is that particularly when Zinchenko plays, you see an awful lot of Zinchenko pushing into that central midfield area, which allows Granit Xhaka to go further forward. And I just feel that 
if you had a player like Yuri Tiedemans as that player being pushed further forward, I just feel like the balance of us in an attacking sense might be a little bit a little bit better than it was on Friday night because there was quite mm. a few times where Granit Xhaka was the, the, the most forward um, of the midfield players and he was almost alongside Martin Odegaard. And it felt like it was crying out for a player with just uh, a tad more creativity than Granit Xhaka has. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering whether that might be something we see a little bit of moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would really like to see Lakonga given a go in that role as yeah. well, because I think he's got a lot more going forward. But I do also understand that he's not really played there. And, and there is an extent, I, I do think, and I don't think we've seen um, the best of it in, say, the documentary so far, but I do think Xhaka's leadership will probably come to the fore at some point. You can't underestimate his influence over these players, and he's the armband. He's the captain without the armband, right? Whether we Absolutely. like it or not. Absolutely. And he is still the one. If you go to a game, he is the one rallying the troops and organising. So it's really hard because there's an upgrade there to be had on Granite Xhaka, but we really do downplay his influence over this team, and. It, it, it really can't be underestimated, you know, as much as we think, oh, Xhaka in a big game, God, what I'd give for a more creative Yuri Tielemans. But, you know, Xhaka, I remember, made one crucial intervention in the first half. I think it looped off of him and went over the bar. Yes. Uh, you know, he's still capable of very important moments, I find. I, I agree entirely. I mean, I, 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 for one, I really like Granit Xhaka. And I think there's a a role that he has within this squad that can't be undermined or anything. Um, and I think this is where it comes into play about about being more of a squad game now, particularly having to fight on European fronts as well. And I think there's going to be opportunities. There's going to be certain games where I think Arteta would like to have that creative player in, maybe against a team that's going to be a bit more defensive-minded. Um but obviously, I, th- I I think in terms of dictating play and controlling possession, I think Xhaka does a really good job. And mm. the only thing that I would raise that a little bit with is that on Friday, we, we look at that middle period of the game where we just were getting deeper and deeper and deeper and we weren't controlling possession in their half. I just wonder if we need an extra body to cut, to maybe change the dynamic of a game from a central midfield position um, during a game. And obviously, with the five substitutions now in play, I think there's there's an opportunity to have a little bit of a larger squad with more mm. more quality players filling it to allow that, that shift in organisation and shift in tactics. But uh, we will have to wait and see on that front. We will. And just on the five subs, one of the things that's on my mind, um, I am British after all, but I do like the look of getting a lump, like a Kiefer Moore, a Mitrovic, uh, a, a Crouch-esque tall bastard that you just chuck on in the last five. You know, yeah. I'm amazed that they haven't looked at this more. I, I'm honestly amazed because you put a team under pressure and you get... It's so basic, but get Giroud back, for fuck's sake. Like, I'm not even, you know, why not? You do need that plan B. You know, if you have five minutes to go and you're bringing on Jesus and Ketia and the team are letting you cross it, which they will, who wouldn't? You know, I do find it interesting that more teams haven't gone for that in the 
in the new world we're entering of five subs. I am quite surprised. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Um, <coughs> bring back Adebayore. Well, I didn't. I said Giroud. <laughs> I said... <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Don't don't say things like that, Tom. That's a that's a cruel a cruel thing to say. Bring back Alan Smith. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm on board. But I'm I'm just saying Alan Shearer could probably still do a job last five minutes. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, okay, so I think we've we've kind of we obviously we've covered Friday quite 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 comprehensively uh, in terms of the transfer window. We've we've sort of summarised that. Um, what we did do is we did put out a tweet and a Facebook post earlier today asking if any of our committed listeners had any any questions for us. And although we didn't get any traction on those sources, <laughs> uh, my, my WhatsApp was, was buzzing and uh, my brother got in contact. And this is something which I think is, is there's, there's potential for a feature here. And I think he's keen to play an active role in helping this feature. So I'm going to gonna just explain it to you, Andre, because obviously I, I, I refuse to tell you this off air. I just said that I had something from my brother. Mm-hmm. And what he has proposed, and this is something that when Chris comes with me on away days, um, he is very good at coming up with fun, entertaining games in the car to keep me amused, <laughs> to keep me awake, whatever you want to do on an, on an away day. And... He proposed on the way back from Palace, he is going to send us some questions from time to time. And this week, he's asked us to design our Arsenal England 11 of all time. Oh, and what I like about this is we did a couple variations of this on the way back from Palace and we'll, we'll, we'll do a few in the upcoming weeks and things like that. But this is obviously something which we do quite frequently in a weird capacity. And he's very excited about this. So I think if we just start the goalkeeper, uh, firstly, what do you think about the idea, Andre? <laughs> I'm writing down my team now. Um <laughs> Okay, Uh, I I love the idea. I mean, the thing is, I actually think the back four is a non plus goalkeeper is a non debate. Okay, so I bear in mind, I I did answer this with my brother on um, on Friday. So if you give me your your back five, essentially with with the goalkeeper, okay, Seaman, yep, Dixon, yep, Adams, Campbell, Cole. 100%. 100%. I don't think there's any room for manoeuvre. The, the only one is is Winterburn because cause Ashley Cole is Ashley Cole. Yeah, I think I, I that was the one. I, I did say this to my brother, but at the same time, I, I don't think there's been a better fullback produced in England than, than Ashley Cole. Um, Fair. As much as it pains, pains me to say it, um, Ashley Cole was phenomenal for Arsenal. And obviously, unfortunately, he was phenomenal for... For Chelsea as well, um, won pretty much everything. Um, just a fantastic, fantastic fullback. Um, and I, like you say, I don't think there's any doubt about that being the back five essentially. As much as obviously we all love Martin Keown, and then there's Steve Bold. Um, but I think Sol Campbell when he came in was just meteoric when he was at Arsenal um, and obviously it will just spite uh, Tottenham fans as well so that's even better so yeah I think we're all in agreement on that one uh, and then and uh, it gets really hard after it does that. get hard 
Um, so I'll just give you a selection of players I've got, shall I? Go on then, yeah. And I'll tell you yeah. what I think about them. Go for it. Well, I've got a midfield pairing of, of Ray Parler and Jack Wilshere. Yeah. Am I missing anyone in your estimate? Other than, of course, Stephen Hughes. <laughs> now, the only the only difference I have, because when my brother did this, he initially told me it was, an, it was a British 11. And then he's changed it for today as an English 11 to try and make okay. it. Okay, so you had Ramsey. Harder. So I had Ramsey in the mix. But Parler and... And Wilshire, I think it, it, it's pretty hard to look past that duo. I mean, who else is there? I mean, we really haven't had many English players. Is the problem? Um, yes, Platt. <laughs> I, I think as a, an Arsenal player, we never really saw. We did. We did see glimpses of David Platt, but obviously, he, his his sort of time at Arsenal sort of peaked probably just before we really got into. Supporting Arsenal, if that makes sense, it's probably mm. just a little bit before our our first couple seasons as 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 supporting the club. Although, although one of my favourite ever goals is his header against Man United. So, <laughs> yeah, is that is that balance, isn't it? So, okay, so I think Parlo and Wilshere is as, as you duo. I think we're happy with that. Okay, on uh, on the wings, I've got Walcott and Saka. Yeah, I had Walcott nailed on as much as as much as he has been ridiculed at times. Um, I think he was in general a very good servant to Arsenal. Obviously, scored over a hundred goals for the club. I think he gets a bit of a bad rap a lot of the time, and I think that's because he was bigged up so much as at a young age that he it was it was probably impossible for him to ever. Surpassed that, particularly as he inherited the number uh, the number fourteen straight after Thierry Henry. There was those natural comparisons, um, but I think he, in general, he did a, a really good job for Arsenal Football Club. So uh, yeah, and then Saka, the shining light at the moment. No, Jermaine Pennant. Um, didn't even think of him. Didn't even think of him. <laughs> I, I, you know, the only one. Ox. Ox. Yeah, Ox. The, I, I kind of Chris allowed me to have a bench. <laughs> and I did have Very the ox on there because I thought the ox you could have as an option across the midfield line. Yeah, and I was quite the, happy with that on the bench. The, I tell you what, I tell you where we're we're going to fall down here, Tom. Is that you and I missed the early nineties, and I think it's important to say that because you know there's been other English players that might well have been uh, done more for the club. But my next two players are a nod to that. Because I'm going to play Merce at number ten. Oh yeah, and uh, you know, and, and who's the other option? Smith Rowe. You can't compare what the two did for the club, and then it has to be Ian Wright. It has to be. Um, well, I always find it really frustrating that Merson scored ninety nine goals for Arsenal. Oh, I mean, why leave? Just let then, him come on and take a really, penalty, and... <laughs> and then he can leave. <laughs> Anyway, I'd bring him back now. Bring him back now. Let him have a penalty. <laughs> Sign him on a pay-as-you-play contract. Let him get his 100th goal. Done. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Let him come back now. Let him come back yeah. now. Maybe not now. I think the only ones... Are, I think, like you said, it's very important to say that we, we did miss, obviously, the late 80s, early 90s. So there are going to be players like... 
I'm sure older older generations would say David Castle, Paul Davis. Um, there are obviously lots of players who have done a lot for Arsenal, particularly in that generation. But this is very much our uh, generation of a team, and I think I think it's very hard to improve upon what we've done there. Um, if you're having a bench, who are you putting on it? I've got I've got two obvious names, which would be the Ox, oh. which we just spoke about. Yeah, um, Gibbs. Come <laughs> on, Gibbo. Career Gilbert. <laughs> Gilbert. What and, a guy. and um the Hoyt brothers. The, both, yeah. Well, there you go. That's done. That's the <laughs> and, oh, and Richard Wright and, uh, or Stuart Taylor. Um, I, I went. I actually went Stuart Taylor as a sub goalkeeper. Well, that's where he belongs, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> he, he loves he, it. He, there. he knows what he's doing. And <laughs> I've got fonder memories of Stuart Taylor than I do Richard Wright. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Um, Smith Rowe, Ox, Alan Smith. I okay. So if we're going five subs. On my list, I've got Taylor as the main yeah. the main dog. Ox, I, I put Martin Keown on there because obviously he's oh, yeah. the yeah. king of the substitute. Um, Keown time, uh, and then Smith Rowe and Smith. I think that's uh, that's that's a pretty pretty good bench. I think. Yeah, I like that a lot. All right, it's a good bench. Look, we're going to win the league with that team, <laughs> but we're going to win the league with this team. <laughs> That is a and on that bombshell, <laughs> that is a wonderful way to end the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I've I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing this again, um, and I know oh. obviously when the season starts, it always becomes quite tricky to fit in when we can we can get it in with work and obviously travelling to and from games. But I think if we can try and do one every 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 couple of weeks, I think it's just it, it's so much fun to do. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, great to so, be back. Great to be back, and hopefully by the time we record another podcast, we'll be in full flow into the season, and we'll ha- we'll still be unbeaten. We may have signed a couple of players, including Yuri Tielemans, hopefully. Um, but it's real, it's all really exciting. Uh, if you'd like to see what we're up to on social media when Andre decides to post, or when I happen to be bothered to do anything. Um, then you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by search for the boys in red and white. And if you've got any questions you'd like us to answer in a future podcast, just let us know on the one of those social media channels. Andre, it's been an absolute pleasure. I cannot wait to see you on Saturday for the Leicester game. I'm sure we'll catch looking forward to it. Um, yep. And it will be a tremendous season as ever, I'm sure. Um, thank you for your time and I will see you on Saturday and hopefully our listeners will enjoy this wonderful podcast thank you and goodbye